who am I? That's not a secret I'll never tell. You know you love me. XOXO. Hello and Merry Christmas, I suppose, or Nadolly Llawen, if you're Welsh, like me. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't get together to record because everyone is in different parts of the world, because we're an international podcast like that. I'm in London and then in Wales, uh, Annie's in Toronto, and Kate is in Wolverhampton. Um, so we couldn't get together to record a new episode for you, um, but thought as it's a Tuesday, uh, you might be pining for a little bit of Gossip Girl action. So what I thought I would do is, about a couple of, well, about seven months ago, uh, a man called James Vortkamp Tong uh, got in touch with a podcast, gossipgirlpod at gmail.com, and uh, said that he had all these Gossip Girl books, like every single one of the Gossip Girl books. If you don't know, the Gossip Girl TV show is based on books. Um, I barely knew that, to be fair. Um, so, And he had all these books, and he didn't want them anymore. So he offered to send them all to me, and he did, which is amazing. So he sent me every single one of them. They've been sitting by my desk uh, for ages. But I've left my job now, so I forgot. I I'd almost forgot about them. They were sitting by my desk, so I thought, well... I better do something with them. So I thought, as a little Christmas treat, I would read to you the first chapter or so of the very first Gossip Girl book by Cecily von Siegesar. Um So yeah, I guess maybe I'll, maybe I'll put some nice uh, some nice uh, fire uh, sound effects in the background so you can put this on, have a glass of something on Christmas Day, chill out after the turkey, and listen to me try and understand the world of the New York elite in book form. <laughs> um, I'm not going to edit this at all. Uh, I'm just going to put it out. So if there's, you're going to have all my fuck ups and stuff um, in it. But I thought we just, this is the back of the book, right? Um, it says, we're smart. We've inherited classic good looks and we know how to party. No, they're talking about us. No, that's the Gossip Girls. It's a luxe life, but someone's got to live it. This is the world of Gossip Girl, inhabited by the city's most glamorous people and filled with spicy gossip, jealousy, betrayal, and Jimmy Choo shoes. To be honest, that already sounds a bit like my life, um, so I think I'm going to like this book. Um, here we go. Uh, so this is it. This is the first one. Okay. <laughs> it starts with an Oscar Wilde quote. Scandalous gossip made tedious by morality. Oh, so it's all set out like it's a blog post. I didn't know that. Um, so you've got like a little header as if you're on a forum. Um, <laughs> it, says, it says, disclaimer, all the real names of places, people and events have been altered or abbreviated to protect the innocents, namely me. <laughs> hey, people, ever wondered what the lives of the chosen ones are really like? Well, I'm going to tell you because I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm not talking about beautiful models or actors or musical protégés. Prodigies? I don't know. I guess Americans say protégés. You're having all this. It's not being edited, I told you. Or mathematical geniuses. I'm talking about the people who are born to it. Those of us who have everything anyone could possibly wish for and who take it all completely for granted. Welcome to New York City's Upper East Side. <laughs> I can't maintain that level of excitement all the way through this. So, Where my friends and I live and go to school and play and sleep, sometimes with each other. Ooh. We all live in huge apartments with our own bedrooms. <laughs> Why is that good? I've got, like, oh, I guess maybe some siblings share. All right, sorry. Let's check my privilege. Uh, 
We all live in huge apartments with our own bedrooms and bathrooms and phone lines. We have unlimited access to money and booze and whatever else we want. And our parents are rarely home. So we have tons of privacy. What a weird thing to fucking brag about. I've got loads of privacy, I have. We're smart. We've inherited classic good looks. We wear fantastic clothes and we know how to party. Our shit still stinks, but you can't smell it because the bathroom is sprayed hourly by the maid. (laughs) With a refreshing scent made exclusively for us by French perfumers. (laughs) It's a luxe life, but someone's got to live it. (laughs) Our apartments are all within... Fucking hell. Our apartments are all within walking distance of the Metropolitan Museum of Art on Fifth Avenue. Do they ask that of the... Like, people when they're getting a house, be like, oh yeah, I needed to be within walking distance of this place. And the single-sex private schools like Constance Billard, I know that, which most of us go to. Even with a hangover, Fifth Avenue always looks so beautiful in the morning, with the sunlight glimmering on the heads of the sexy St. Jude schoolboys. But something is rotten on Museum Mile. Ooh, fucking hell. Here we go. Sightings. Oh, okay, right, I get it. So that's like a blog post, and then it's all... Sort of like sightings. B with her mother arguing in a taxi in front of Takashimaya. N enjoying a joint on the steps of the Met. C buying new school shoes at Barney's. And a familiar, tall, eerily beautiful blonde girl emerging from a New Haven line train in Grand Central Station. Approximate age 17. Could it be S is back? This is brilliant. <laughs> Then in capital letters, the girl who leaves for boarding school gets kicked out and comes back. This is all one blog post, I think. Yes, S is back from boarding school. Her hair is longer, paler. Her blue eyes have that deep mysteriousness of kept secrets. Starting to wish I hadn't read the back of the book now because this is the exact same thing. She is wearing the same old fabulous clothes, now in rags from fending off New England storms. This morning, S's laughter echoed off the steps of the Met where we will no longer be able to enjoy a quick smoke and a cappuccino without seeing her wave to us from her parents' apartment across the street. She's picked up the habit of biting her fingernails, which makes us wonder about her even more. And while we all are dying to ask why she got kicked out of boarding school, we won't, because we'd rather, we'd really rather she stayed away. But S is definitely here. Just to be safe, we should all synchronize our watches. What? If we aren't careful, S is going to win over our teachers, wear that dress we couldn't fit into, eat the last olive, have sex in our parents' bed, spill Campari in our rugs, steal our brothers' and our boyfriends' hearts, and basically ruin our lives and piss us all off in a major way. I'll be watching closely. I'll be watching all of us. It's going to be a wild and wicked year. I can smell it. Love, Gossip Girl. She doesn't say XOXO like in the show. Um, all right. <clears throat> this goes on. Oh, God, how long are these now? <laughs> Oh, wait, so, okay, so that's a Gossip Girl post. Right. Okay, so it's not all written like that. Thank fuck. Okay, I'll read this little bit then, right? So this is an actual bit of writing. Now, not slagging off Gossip Girl and saying the other bit wasn't a bit of writing because I loved it. Here we go. So, like most juicy stories, it started at a party. I watched Nickelodeon all morning in my room so I wouldn't have to eat breakfast with them, Blair, Wal- Blair Waldoff told her two best friends and Constance Billard's school classmates, Katie Farkas and Isabel Coates. My mother cooked him an omelette. I didn't even know she knew how to use the stove. Blair tucked her long, dark brown hair behind her ears and swigged her mother's fine vintage scotch from the crystal tumble in her hand. She was already on her second glass. 
What shows did you watch, Isabelle asked, removing a stray strand of hair from Blair's black cashmere cardigan. Who cares, Blair said, stamping her foot. She was wearing her new black ballet flats, very bow-tie proper preppy, <laughs> which she could get away with because she could change her mind in an instant and put on her trashy pointed knee-high boots and that sexy metallic skirt her mother hated. Poof! <laughs> Rockstar sex kitten. Meow. <laughs> I know the real Gossip Girl is better than me at reading stuff out, all right? The point is, I was trapped in my room all morning because they were busy having a gross romantic breakfast in their matching red silk bathrobes. They didn't even take showers! Blair took another gulp of her drink. The only way to tolerate the thought of her mother sleeping with that man was to get drunk. Very drunk. Luckily, Blair and her friends came from the kind of families for whom drinking was as commonplace as blowing your nose. Their parents believed in the quasi-European idea that the more access kids have to alcohol, the less, li- the less likely they are to abuse it. Mm. She's just drunk two glasses of whiskey very quickly. Okay, anyway. So Blair and her friends could drink whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, as long as they maintained their greys and, imb- and their looks and didn't embarrass themselves or the family by puking in public, pissing their pants, or ranting in the streets. The same thing went for everything else, like sex or drugs. As long as you kept up appearances, you were all right. But keep your panties on. That's coming later. I, I can't tell if this is actually Gossip Girl doing this bit now. Mm, maybe it is. I'm not sure. Okay. The man Blair was so upset about was Cyrus Rose. Cyrus! Her mother's new boyfriend. At that very moment, Cyrus Rose was standing on the other side of the living room, greeting the dinner guests. He looked like someone who might help you pick out shoes at Saks, bald except for a small bushy moustache. Bushy moustache. Bushy moustache. Oh, my God. Bald except for a small bushy moustache. His fat stomach barely hidden in a shiny blue double-breasted suit. He jingled the change in his pocket incessantly, and when he took his jacket off, there were big, nasty sweat marks on his underarms. Oh, they make him sound like a... not very nice, but we know Cyrus is brilliant. He had a loud laugh and was very sweet to Blair's mother, and that's all that matters. But he wasn't Blair's father. Last year, Blair's father ran off to France with another man. No kidding, they live in a chateau and run a vineyard together, which is actually pretty cool if you think about it. Of course, none of that was Cyrus Rose's fault, but that didn't matter to Blair. As far as as Blair was concerned, Cyrus Rose was a completely annoying, fat loser. All right, man, come on. But tonight, Blair was going to have to tolerate Cyrus Rose because the... Does he always refer to him as Cyrus Rose? Getting on my nerves. Okay. Uh, but tonight, Blair was going to have to tolerate Cyrus Rose because the dinner party her mother was giving was in his honour, and all the Waldos family friends were there to meet him. The Bass family and their sons, Chuck and Donald. Ooh, there's another one. Mr. Farkas and his daughter, Katie. The well-known actor, Arthur Coates. His wife, Titty. And their daughters, Isabel, Regina, and Camilla. Captain and Mrs. Archibald, yes. And their son, Nate. The only ones still missing were Mr. and Mrs. Vander Woodson, whose teenage daughter, Serena, and son, Eric, were both away at school. <gasps> we know them. Blair's mother was famous for her dinner parties, and this was her first since her infamous divorce. The Waldorf penthouse had been expensively redecorated that summer in deep reds and chocolate browns, and it was full of antiques and artwork that would have impressed anyone who knew anything about art. In the center of the dining room table was an enormous silver bowl full of white orchids, pussy willows, and chestnut tree branches. A modern, a modern ensemble from Takashimaya, the Fifth Avenue luxury goods store. Oh yeah, they said that earlier, and I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. 
Um, gold leaf place cards lay on every porcelain plate. In the kitchen, Myrtle the cook was singing Bob Marley songs to the souffle, and the sloppy Irish maid, Esther, hadn't poured scotch down anyone's dress yet. Thank God! Blair was the one getting sloppy, and if Cyrus Rose... No mention of Dorota yet. I just noticed. Blair was the one getting sloppy, and if Cyrus Rose didn't stop harassing Nate, her boyfriend, she was going to have to go over there and spill her, spill her scotch all over his tacky Italian loafers. You and Blair have been gone out a long time, am I right? Cyrus said, punching Nate in the arm. He was trying to get the kid to loosen up a little. All these Upper East Side kids were way too uptight. That's what he thinks. Give them time. You sleep with her yet? Cyrus asked. What? That's mad, Cyrus. Chill out. Nate turned redder than the upholstery on the 18th century French chaise next to him. Well, we've known each other practically since we were born, he started, but we've only been going out for like a year. We don't want to ruin it by, you know, rushing before we're ready. Nate was just spitting back the line that Blair always gave him when he asked her. If, ooh, sorry, if she was ready to do it or not. But he was talking to his girlfriend's mother's boyfriend. What was he supposed to say? Dude, if I had my way, we'd be doing it right now. <laughs> Absolutely, Cyrus Rose said. He clasped Nate's shoulder with a fleshy hand. Around his wrist was one of those gold Cartier cuff bracelets that you screw on and never take off. Very popular in the 1980s, and not so popular now. Unless you've actually bought into that whole 80s revival thing. Hello? <laughs> this is brilliant. Let me give you some advice, Cyrus told Nate, as if Nate had a choice. Don't listen to a word that girl says. Girls like surprises. They want you to keep things interesting. You know what I mean? Nate nodded, frowning. He tried to remember the last time he'd surprised Blair. The only thing that came to mind was the time he brought her an ice cream cone when he picked her up at her tennis lesson. That was over a month ago, and it was a pretty lame surprise by any standard. At this rate, he and Blair might never have sex. Nate was one of those boys you look at, and while you're looking at them, you know they're thinking, that girl can't take her eyes off me because I'm so hot. Although he didn't act at all conceited about it. He couldn't help looking hot. He was just born that way. Poor guy. That night, Nate was wearing a, the moss green cashmere v-neck sweater Blair had given him last Easter when her father had taken him skiing in Sun Valley for a week. Secretly, Blair had sewn a tiny gold heart pendant on the inside of one of the sweater sleeve so that Nate would always be wearing her heart on his sleeve. Blair liked to think of herself as a hopeless romantic in the style of old movie actresses like Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe. She was always coming up with plot devices for the movie she was starring in at the moment, the movie that was her life. I love you, Blair, had told Nate breathily when she, when she gave him the sweater. <laughs> God, I can do that again because that's awful. I love you, Blair, had told Nate breathily when she gave him the sweater. Me too, Nate, said back, although he wasn't exactly sure if it was true or not. When he put the sweater on, it looked so good on him that Blair wanted to scream and rip all her clothes off. <laughs> but it seemed unattractive to scream in the heat of the moment. More femme fatale than girl who gets boy. So Blair kept quiet, trying to remain fragile and baby bird-like in Nate's arms. The kiss for a long they kissed for a long time, their cheeks hot and cold at the same time. <laughs> From being out on the slopes all day. <laughs> this is exactly like my life. Nate twined his fingers in Blair's hair and pulled her hair down on the, and pulled her down on the hotel bed. Blair put her arms above her head and let Nate begin to undress her until she realized where this was all heading and that it was wasn't a movie after all. It was real. So like a good girl, she sat up and made Nate stop. She kept on making him stop right on right on up until today. Only two nights ago, Nate had come home, home over after a party with a half-drunk flask of brandy in his pocket and had lain down on her bed and murmured, I want you, Blair. Once again, Blair wanted to scream and jump on top of him, but she resisted. 
Nate fell asleep snoring softly and Blair lay down next to him and imagined that she and Nate were starring in a movie in which they were married and he had a drinking problem. But she would stand by him and always love him forever, even if he occasionally wet the bed. How long is this book? Blair wasn't trying to be a teased. She just wasn't ready. She and Nate had barely seen each other at all over the summer because she, she had gone to that horrible boot camp of a tennis school in North Carolina. And Nate had gone sailing with his father off the coast of Maine. Blair wanted to make sure that after spending the whole summer apart, they still loved each other as much as ever. She had wanted to wait to have sex until her 17th birthday next month. But now she was, but now she was through with waiting. Nate was looking better than ever. The moss green sweater turned his eyes a dark, sparkling green, and his wavy brown hair was streaked with golden blonde from his summer on the ocean. And just like that, Blair knew she was ready. She took another sip of her scotch. Oh yes, she was definitely ready. <laughs> Alright. Well, that is a be- the beginning of the very first Gossip Girl book. Um, hopefully you're having a lovely Christmas. Uh, don't obviously play that to any children or uh, elderly family members that might get a little bit too excited once listening to me read about two 16-year-olds having sex. Um, thank you very much for listening to the podcast for the last ages. Um, we're really looking forward to the new year um, and we'll be back the first week of January. Bye! Bye!